Congruent to me means that my whole life is lived with a set of values that I live by consistently in all areas of my Keyword, life. Keyword, consistently. We're all going to deal with moments of incongruence. 100%. Sometimes we'll realize it and sometimes we won't, but we're going to experience it. When I get unclear on my identity in Christ, I start thinking about my identity through the lens of man. Yeah. Here's the problem with that. There's only one Jesus. So congruence is easy <laughs> when I run with him, but there are billions of humans all wanting different things. Yep. And now if I don't understand my identity in Christ, I'm gonna start shaping my identity around whoever's in the room, what they want and what they will affirm yep. and validate. What's up everybody? Yeah, check it out. A little bit of a different space up in here. We're mixing it up just like on the solo set. Uh, and just in case you were wondering, as uh, those of you who have kind of run with, with me and us for a little while, if you're wondering what this little thing in the middle is, I'm curious if anybody can pick up on it. <laughs> but I, I want to tell you what it is. Otherwise, I would play that game. Just somebody guess in the comments, you know, here's what it is. I thought it would be cool to have like a semi discreet art installment on our new set. Uh, that's just a little shout out to the one we always ask to pull up a seat at the table and allow us to sit with him, the God of the universe. I thought it would be cool to give him a little shout out, discreet shout out. This is a couple bottles of water and a bunch of bottles of wine. Just as a subtle reminder for all of us, when the king pulls up a seat at the table, something miraculous is always going to happen. And since that was the first one, I thought that would be a cool, probably cheesy for some, but it's all right. You know what I'm saying? I think it's beautiful. As you can see, uh, one of my best friends on the planet, Todd Lane, is back with us. And we're talking about something that both of us are really passionate about. Mm -hmm. And truth be told, you're one of the best at this that I know. And I've wanted to do this episode for some time. So um, let's pray and we'll jump right into the cuts. Mm -hmm. Spirit of the living God, thank you for being present right now. Thank you for being gentle, but bringing conviction. And what we're talking about today we all know we can struggle with from time to time. None among us is perfect except you, oh God. Mm. And so we remind ourselves that we are sinners in need of a savior. We are washed in the blood of the lamb, but we are sons and daughters of God most high who have been given the commission and command mm. to imitate their father. And our father, there is no fake in him. There is no shifting shadow in him. There is no manipulation in him. There is no hypocrisy in him. There is no double living in him. Because that's not how our father rolls. Father, would you help your children be more like you? Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, would you come upon Todd? Would you come upon me? Would you anoint us? to speak whatever you want spoken. Mm -hmm. And would you pull out the gentle but sharp mm -hmm. knife of heaven to cut on our flesh, thereby making more room for your spirit? In Jesus' name, mm -hmm. amen. Amen. All right, bro. <laughs> We're talking about a word that a lot of people don't use. Yep. 
um, some would call it faking it. Some would call it uh, try hard. Uh, some would call it not real. Um, but the actual term is incongruence. Mm. And so what we're going to talk about today is congruence, the yep. positive side of this. So yep. why don't we start off this episode uh, defining this word we're going to spend the next hour-ish talking about. <laughs> what is congruence? Yeah. Well, first off, I feel like um, when we head into a conversation like this, and you sort of alluded to it in your prayer, but I feel like when, when you start into a, a conversation about congruence and talking about it, it can sound like you're coming from the standpoint that you are the most congruent person yeah. and you've never struggled with being incongruent. I just wanted to declare from the very beginning, this is an area that God has cut on in me. And maybe in that cutting, he's given me like uh, a burden, a passion to, I guess, even discover in scripture. Like I look at Jesus and when when Jesus was basically going after the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, mm-hmm. he was going after them because they were incongruent. Yeah, and and so I get passionate about it because I feel like what we have seen in society and the church, but not only the church, where church leaders of the day would have been the the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. But just believers in general, whether in in corporate jobs, in homes, the incongruence of their lives has destroyed families. It's destroyed the image of Christ Mm -hmm. and Christianity. So I want to say that's the burden and passion, but it's not coming from um, that I'm that I'm when I think about the topic that I'm going around going, oh, all you people who are incongruent. It's a message for all of us. And, and one that I think is worthy going after. So when I think about congruent, and you can, I mean, you can go find a definition for it. So this is kind of like my own made mm-hmm. up definition. But congruent to me means that my whole life is lived with a set of values that I live by consistently in all areas of my Key life. Word, consistently. Consistently. Mm-hmm. I've got I've got values that are defined or in of course biblically defined. I live those out consistently in all areas of my life. And I I think the um I don't know if it's just today uh, probably somebody who's who was around, you know, 60 years ago may say, "No, oh, it was the same back then." I don't think the this is the case, but we have so many different ways that we express our life that are that seem distinctly different, you know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a father that looks different than me being in a, in my job. And that looks different than me, you know, being, being a friend. And when I think back to, well, let's go back, you know, a hundred years when it was an agrarian society and someone's a farmer, they didn't have a bunch of different hats they wore. They were the farmer their whole life. 24 seven looked like one sort of image. And right now, 24 hours a day over a seven day week, we might look like and be in a lot of different settings, environments, and situations that require different hats. Uh, or we run in different lanes. Oh, can I make a slight plug for uh, another podcast? <laughs> Always. Shout out. Uh, my dad and I have a podcast called Between, Between the, lanes, the Lanes, but it hits on this very point that we run in a lot of different lanes. Right. 
wear different hats, whatever term you want to put on it. And the question is, how consistent, congruent are we across all those different lanes? Right. I, I think, too, when you talk about, I'm, I absolutely agree that, you know, probably 15, 20 years ago and beyond, so pre-social media, I don't know that congruence was as big of a deal as it is now. Right. Here's why. Because if you were going to see somebody, you had to be in the room with them. Right. So before cameras, that there was what you see is what you get. Right. But now we have so many opportunities to show and share not just the various sides of us, but also whatever side we want to show. Exactly. And so now we're in this, you, you can actually get away with faking it a little bit yep. if you so choose because show them the best part, yep. but keep show them the heavenly side and then keep living like hell exactly in real life. Yep. And it's created this kind of atmosphere yep. of incongruence where it's just become normal. It's become normal. And, and so people can put on an, an air, an image, a fakeness. And just because I think we alluded to this in our last podcast, so I'm, I'm going to come at it though from a different angle. We talked about um, uh, Michael Jordan and mm -hmm. being the goat, and which I still stand yeah, by. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. However, when the last no. dance, when the last dance came on, I, I was I was hurt a little bit because the image I had, honestly, could, on this point of Michael Jordan in the '80s and '90s, he could do no wrong. Sure, because we were, we were given an image. Yeah, right. Right. True. And the last dance maybe exposed a little bit more of the reality right. um, that maybe people in his world would go, well, he's congruent. It was an incongruent image to me of what was given. So I think a lot of uh, leaders today still do the same thing. There's an image that's put forth, um, and that's the image that they want. But who they are behind the scenes in different rooms, in different settings, completely different. So. I just had to give that because as much as I still think Michael Jordan's a goat, <laughs> there might have been some incongruence of what I felt from the early days. Well, he even I've heard him and other athletes say if cell phones were around back then, right, <laughs> those guys wouldn't have been doing half of what they were doing. Exactly. Because they could get away with it. That's in right. other words, they could be incongruent That's as long right. as you only saw the image they wanted you to see. Exactly. And yep. now we can't get away. Yep with it the way that we used to. Yep. Um, well, the, the other thing in thinking about, again, having these different settings, and I go back to like talking about what do we mean by congruent? And somebody who may think, are you talking about math? Because, <laughs> you know, it's a mathematical term. Right. But it's the idea of like these two things can be separate, but when you layer them together, they become one. It, it's the same thing. It's the same size. It's, it's congruent. So I think it is interesting because it is more of a math term, It's but, but it understanding the math behind it, what it's meaning helps to get the imagery of, okay, let me, let me see my life. Just imagine our lives are like all these different layers of people and whenever they layer together, do they unify? Mm -hmm. Are they the same? Yeah. I think one of the verses my mind goes to uh, is in Matthew five, I think it's in the thirties somewhere. Um, Jesus says, let your yes be yes. <laughs> let your no be no. For anything beyond that is from the evil one. In other words, if you're if in this room, it's a yes. Yeah. Then when you leave that room, yep. it better still be a yes. Yep. But it can't be. I, I, while we were praying before the episode, I, I just felt the Lord give me a burden for 
uh, people who kind of twist the words of Paul, mm. who said, listen, I'm willing to do all things uh-huh. <laughs> for all people yep. to win some. Yep. I think some have twisted that kind of like I'm willing to do anything for anyone to gain something. Mm. So whatever I need to do in whatever room I'm in, I'll figure out what that is and I'll do it, even if it's inconsistent with what I do in all the other rooms. Some might call that a sellout. I just call that somebody who's experiencing a lot of sleepless nights. (laughs) Exactly. Because I tried to live that way as a late teenager, early 20-something, and you can't keep track of who you are where. Exactly. I was incredibly incongruent. So why don't we talk about some of the dangers of incongruence before we start walking through what does congruence look like okay what what's dangerous about being incongruent well uh one you're a hypocrite (laughs) (laughs) jump right to it so let me just let me just go right to it because i feel like again when i look at what jesus was going after when when really and, and look i put myself and go you know back then would i have been a pharisee I'd love to think I would have been one of the radicals sure. to follow Jesus, but I'm I'm going. I probably look more like I would have been a Pharisee, following all these rules, trying to keep up with the rules and and that sort of thing. So when I read when when I've when I got to a place where I identified that reality of that, I felt like man, I wonder. And it was a you know convicting, cutting moment to go. I wonder if that would have been me. Mm. I'm looking at the characters of Scripture and go, would I have been more? Then it starts to make me go, well, how did, how did Jesus talk to those guys? And It ain't pretty. It's not pretty. I mean, he is saying some nasty things to the Pharisees, uh, all of which really are under the umbrella of, you're a hypocrite. You say one thing, you do another. Um, and I feel like, you know, examples, I mean, really, if I think of incongruence, it sort of falls into two categories. And, and there, there may be, you know, the same thing, hypocrite being one, but I think the other category is a double life. Mm-hmm. So a hypocrite essentially meaning I say one thing and I do another thing. Okay. So we understand that as hypocrisy, but then there's an aspect of hypocrisy. That's really a double life. And that is, I, I say and do one thing in one environment and maybe completely different i say and do something else in another environment that's a double life or for some people a triple and quadruple mm-hmm, life mm-hmm. so that builds a framework for all sorts of problems who give me a scriptural scriptural example of somebody who so we have the hypocrites yep of the pharisees sadducees <laughs> those not only who were addicted to the rules they were so addicted they were adding rules yep. thinking that that yep. that got them somewhere uh, but when we talk about the double living, yeah. what's a scriptural example that you can think of Yeah, <laughs> on that front? I, I just happen to be prepared for this. I've got one ready for you. Um, I, I don't know how many people think about Paul and Peter and sort of the, the tension that sort of seemed to exist between the two of them. But Paul basically is calling out Peter. And this is, um, I'm going to go to Galatians. Let me go here. Galatians 2, 11. And, and so Paul is basically talking about really, really right living and what it is to live righteously. And he gives an example of Peter 
coming to Antioch. And so this is what he says in Galatians 2.11. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. Mm-hmm. There's two giants. Like I, I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. I don't know that we think, I mean, look, Peter, we know Jesus basically called him Satan at one point. <laughs> Paul's called him out, but at what a redemptive story that Jesus still said, I'm building right. the church on you. But even after Jesus, this is Paul and Peter, Jesus has ascended to the to, to heaven. Paul and Peter are now in this, and Peter still did something very wrong. It says, because when he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some of his friends, some of the friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from those people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. So here's, here's Peter saying and doing one thing, and then a whole other group of people come, and he's like, whoa, it's almost like he's living back at, he's, he's out with the fire. And they're like, Do you, you're friends of Jesus. Right. No, no, right. I don't know. I mean, clearly Peter had a had an issue with potentially having a double. There was some disintegration there. Dis, disintegration <laughs> for sure. He was, uh, incongruence was uh, a potential yeah. snag in his life that mm-hmm. he had to work through. Um, so I get encouraged by that. Peter was used by God, right? you know, did great things. Um, but that issue uh, to me highlights where, and, and how simple it can look, how, how simple uh, being incongruent can be when you really evaluate and you think about, you know, would I do something in this environment? And if somebody else, you just use this, some friends came from another place. And I think about this sometimes with my, my kids, okay, as they've grown up and they're, they're trying to find the line of, well, can I do this? And is this far enough? Or, da, 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 or you know, and then as a parent, you're going, well, this, here's the rules and here are the boundaries that I'm, I'm putting in place for you. And and I and then I think and and say at times now if if your grandparents came with you to that movie or came with you w- with your friends yep. would you still want to be doing it because you may question me there's always the parent and child thing of like oh mom and dad you don't understand da 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 but but I, I bring in somebody like the grandpa like they revere in high regard and oh would I want to do it with my grandparents well that alone teaching that as a child right. if the answer is no you might be dealing with incongruence. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about some of the dangers of, of incongruence, the minute you learn that you can get away with something, mm. you have the beginnings of a bonfire. <laughs> but it seems merely like a spark. But the, the moment we get away with it the first time, yeah. it opens a door yeah. of temptation and enticement especially if we see it work. So it's not just if we don't get caught, it's yep. if we actually see it produce a measure of results. Yes. Now we are opening the door yep. for a spirit of manipulation. Yep. Because when I'm willing to do anything to get what I want, yep. that, that's manipulation. Manip- that to me is the definition of manipulation. That's right. I'm merely in it for my own gain yep. and I will do whatever I need to do to see that end. That's right. The end has justified the means. Exactly right. And whether I manipulate, I lie, I whatever. I, I, I'm not concerned about the incongruence because I, I see the end justifying my incongruence. So then now, I, I'm not thinking of a scriptural example. I'm thinking of real world examples. When we look in the church mm-hmm. and we see somebody who falls towards the finish line, mm-hmm. oh, they so have a moral pain. failure. So pain. 
that no nobody started out thinking, you know what one day I want to do? Yeah. I, I want to have a moral failure before I finish. Yeah. No, no, no one starts off like that as a young man, a young woman. Yeah. You don't get there overnight. Yeah. You get there a, an inch at a time yeah. of faking it of, and getting away with it. Yeah. And what scares me sometimes is the grace of God. Mm. that he would back away. And I know it's not, it's not the literal grace of God to let me sin. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying once I know it, it's wrong, but I choose not to make it right, I choose not to repent, I start to become afraid. You're, you're, I am pulling out a sword and falling on it every time I make that decision. And, and if I think I'm getting away with it. Mm. So I think about, okay, death by a thousand cuts, Right, so hey, one little thing, one little thing, one little thing, and before I know it, I'm dead. Yeah. And it was just little things over time. Um, I, I think about whenever you're 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 saying about the grace of God. God is the best secret keeper. Mm. So you've got an area of incongruence that begins in your life, and it's just a small little seed. And God's like, hey, don't do that. Mm. Be consistent. And He leaves it as a whisper. In, in your spirit and and yet something still worked out for you and so you kind of just ignore the little whisper and then it happens again and god's like um hey now you did it again don't do it again and he begins to sort of widen he'll, he'll begin to widen his work in your life to get your attention all the while he's given you all sorts of time to address it so when I look at the fall of people who it's gotten to that point, they're at the end or whatever, and it's so painful, it's so painful to watch. But I wonder, and I, and I know because I feel like I've experienced this in my own life, how God has done it, where he is gracious because he's a secret keeper. And he goes, I, I want to deal with this just with you. It can be just with you, but it will eventually bear fruit. I won't be mocked. What you sow, you will reap. And uh, that reaping, we don't know when it's going to come. And that incongruence will bear fruit at some point. And if we can, if we can allow ourselves to recognize it, repent. You and I, we were praying before. We were repenting before this. Because right. I, I right. know this is an area. Like I look at congruence and go, if this is, if this is a congruent line, it goes like this. And if I, if I go like this, and now I'm incongruent, you know what I can do to get back congruent? Repent, mm -hmm. get back in line. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm living this like perfect life and we're not perfect. But when I get incongruent, I repent. Real-time repentance. Real-time repentance and and confessing. Yeah. I think that's that's the thing a lot of times people think they um, have repented and they may have it in their heart. But what happens is a lack of accountability. And that lack of accountability makes that congruent sort of connecting uh, a little easier to fudge the next right, time right because i haven't really brought accountability into my life i'll give you another danger that comes to my mind uh as it relates to incongruence let's talk about the workplace for a second mm. <laughs> only someone who is incongruent will reward incongruence oh exactly they they love Buddy. that company Buddy, they love it. The <laughs> misery ain't the only one that <laughs> exactly. loves company. Incongruent, the incongruent love company. Love company. 
It's like, uh, let's be this together in this room. Uh-huh. And then we'll be that over there in that room. And yep. it's like making an inner vow yep. that I will be a chameleon. Yep. And I, so being incongruent affects the people around me because if, if people see it, oh, bro, I did just thought about this. So let's take it out even further. Deconstructionism. Mm. Deconstructionism is the result, in my opinion, of a generation who became very incongruent. Incongruent. So in the pew, yes. it was holiness, holiness, holiness. Yep. And then at home or elsewhere, it was oh. not just none of us are perfect. So we're not right. talking about a no. lack of perfect. Nobody's right. perfect. We are right. all sinners in need of a savior. But it was the antithesis. Yes. And that's really what the heart of an incongruent person is. It's, yeah. it's to be antithetical. That's right. You know, yeah. deconstructionism is a generation yes. of young people who have said, man, I want the real thing. Exactly. And I, that ain't real. Yeah. If Jesus is real and his followers are not, yep. I, I don't want anything to do mm. with what isn't real. We yep. hear it all the time. Yep. This generation just wants the real. That's right. Why? Because they feel like they got sold a bunch of fake. Okay, so as you're as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about um, so in Matthew 23, Jesus is basically. I mean, in the scripture, it says like the title of it says the seven woes. <laughs> he's talking to Pharisees, he's talking to leaders of the day, the, the teachers of the law. But he gets to one particular piece, uh, and he, so he lists seven of them, and he goes into detail. But one of them, and it's interesting because I feel like it ties into something that really. Um, on, on the good side of how we talk about it, it's, hey, talk about tithe. Okay, this is going to sound like a random side thing, but tithing is tithing in the New Testament. Well, it is. Mm-hmm. It's actually Matthew 23. Mm-hmm. But it's actually given in the context of a bunch of woes. So Jesus is actually saying, all right, you ought to tithe. You should be tithing. But you you actually do that, but you neglect the greater matters of the law, justice, faithfulness. And he's saying this, and so it's like the, the religion, the religious thing to do was to tithe. Mm-hmm. And he said, but it's, it's way beyond that. That's like base level. Right. That's like you're it's just- a foregone conclusion. It's just a conclusion. Right. It's like, like an assumption. You're, you're okay. going to live a religious life. Great. You tithe. As Put me you first with your finances. Yes. Yeah. As you should. But there's, there's actually greater things. Mm-hmm. There's more important things. And by you not living according to those things, you are destroying my people. And to me, that's exactly what you're talking about. We've had a generation of people who have looked at parents. They've looked at Christian leaders, pastors. They've looked at, you know, governmental leaders. And they've seen one thing that has been preached, maybe lived out on a Sunday or spoken as if this is core to my heart. And it's like the tithe. It was religious. And then... Yet they went off and did whatever else. They're abusing their family. They're cheating in life. They're 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 stealing from their business. They're living a completely incongruent life to what they're talking about. That's exactly what Jesus is mm-hmm. is saying. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, that's I think you're absolutely right. That's the root of deconstruction. How do I how do I really make sense of what you're saying? Because you aren't living truly by what I'm seeing the Bible talk about. Yeah, I, I think another danger. When we start bringing other people into this discussion, 
other people in our lives. I think another danger is people lose the ability to trust us. So let me just speak in my own home. If I'm congruent, I'm incongruent in my own home. And my daughter, let's say uh, on the outside, I'm, I'm always there for people. I make the right choice. I'm consistent. I try and give godly wisdom, uh, try and be strong in chaos, all the right stuff. And then at home, I am an intentional wreck. I am lazy with the word. I can't be counted on. Not only do I not dispense godly wisdom, but I give out fleshy advice. Mm -hmm. All the When she gets into a storm and she goes to reach for the public me, the me that everybody else feels they can count on. And so she, as my daughter, reaches towards me to count on me. Mm. But she reaches in the direction of the public figure. But privately, yeah. that's not where I stand. That's right. I'm over here. She's going to fall. Yeah. And she's not going to be able to trust me. Yep. Because she's not going to know. Here's the thought they have. Which you am I going to get? Yeah. You want to wreak havoc in the lives of the people you love? Make them think that thought. That's right. Which you am I getting? Which you, I don't. I don't know if I can count on you because I don't know which you yeah. you're going to be yep. in the moment I find myself in. Yep. yep. Yeah. And I, I'm thinking when thinking about parents and kids is, especially as kids get older and they're they're observing the public parent, and and yet they know the private parent. Whenever you, whenever I notice a child who struggles with disrespecting their parent, and you can see the disrespect, it's not always this. But sometimes if you look and go, okay, the child, you're dealing with some issues in the child or, you know, sure. But what's the parenting component that's contributed to that? Maybe, maybe some element of incongruence that the child is going, I don't know how to reconcile this. So I actually right. don't respect you. Right. Because what you're saying over here, you're not doing at home. And so don't, the kid's like, don't try to play me. <laughs> I, I, I know the real you. And so you're going you're gonna to act like this in front of other people? No, no, no. I'm not going to let you get away with it. Um, if maybe, maybe there might be a parent out there who you're finding this and you don't recognize it as incongruence, mm. you actually have, have sort of bought into the idea of, I do, I live one way in public, but I'm different at home. And you actually think that's right. You actually think that's okay. Maybe even out of survival. Maybe you, out of survival. You, you feel like it's the only way you've had to be a chameleon. It's the only way you've been able to survive. That's right. It still doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right and may reflect why you have certain reactions from your children or from other people who know you in life because they're recognizing, I, I don't know who I'm going to get, but I also feel like you're not, you're, you're really not who you say you are. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about the dangers now, because you've already brought up a little, you've touched on some of this, let's talk about, uh, because we are imperfect people in mm-hmm. frail bodies dealing with temptations in a fallen world. So things are not perfect this side of heaven. How do we live a congruent life? Once we acknowledge, so we intentionally started with kind of incongruence first so that people could say, oh, I actually struggled with this and I didn't even know I struggled with this. Right, right. Because I didn't know it was the thing. Yep. Now as we make the pivot, how do we live a congruent life? I mean, so if I think, go back to what my definition of congruence, which is that my whole life is aligned to a set of values. The question is, have I actually done the work to define my values? 
Um, and I think a lot of times people have aspirational values. Like, what am I aspiring to do? What are goals that I have that I want to be like? I want to live this kind of life. And they're aspirational versus, no, they're really values that I live by. Um, and so I think going through an exercise, and here's here's a simple exercise that I use for myself, and I've walked other people through to, to go, how do you know what is a value to you? Again, not as aspirational, because because if you make aspirational values, like I wish I were like that, you'll you'll never achieve it because those really aren't your values. So I'm not talking about base level values of like honor and integrity. I'm talking about you. What are your values? And some ways of knowing how to determine, you know, I've never sat and done that work or I've done the work and yeah, it's integrity. That, well, that's, those are a little bit aspirational. The question are, mm -hmm. the question is, what are the things, and this is how you find out what your values are. If you haven't done this exercise, you find out by going, when something happens that makes me upset, what was it that happened that caused me to be upset? And, and then I do the opposite of that and go, oh, it's because it kind of pricked on a value. Mm. That's a value I had. So when this happened to me, it frustrated me. Mm. It might have frustrated me because it, it pricked out a value. Yeah. There's a value. So that that's a simple way mm -hmm. to begin Love to it. articulate what are the values that are present inside of me. Because whether or not you have defined your values, you are living by them. Mm. Now, you may go through that exercise and realize, ooh, some of the values that I'm living in, <laughs> living by in life are not good. <laughs> right. Great. Now you can go, oh, I listed that off, went through this exercise, that frustrated me. Apparently, that's a value these values aren't very biblical. So now you can create some aspirational ones that now become goals to go, I, I want these things it's great. to be values it's in great. my life. So I start living a certain way to actually then achieve these aspirational values. But I got to first really know what are my values. So, and here's the, here's the interesting thing, going back, and this is sort of connecting to a definition because when we talk about it, and I thought about this about congruence, and I'm like, what are other words that are like congruence because mm -hmm. you start talking about it and it's like, well, it's similar to being consistent. It's similar to integrity. Um, and, and as I thought through it, I kind of stopped at that word integrity and I'm like, well, yeah, everybody, I mean, I, I, I could probably do a Google search on values of corporate, you know, fortune 500 companies, right. Values, integrity, integrity is in them yeah. is there. So what has happened? That word means almost nothing hmm. anymore as a value. It's been so, diminished and eroded and uh and just fail it's a lie you, these corporations who who ha are made up of people that value of integrity really isn't there why because i think back and this is where it connects to congruence being the better word is they've taken a value of and call it integrity and they say in this room in this room we're gonna have integrity but what that looks like it is specific to that room. I leave that room, I don't have integrity anymore. Now, let me give you an, this is a very personal, real example. When I got out of college. Uh, I worked for a, co a corporation, multinational corporation. And I had the opportunity to travel and work in different places. And um, But I started at the corporate headquarters. So I got an opportunity to kind of get to know some of the you know corporate leaders. Then I moved, moved different cities, moved internationally for a little while, moved back. And I was working at a branch, a division that um, we were serving a client for our company that was a bit, one of the big clients. So some of the corporate people would come down to our, our, our branch. We managed call centers is what we did. So we had a call, we had call center reps and I was a director of operations. And so I was meeting with people, a lot of the, the team reported up to me. So I'm, I'm connected to our phone operators. 
And these corporate guys would come. I'm talking like the C-suite mm-hmm. people. Right. They would come down and come visit the client. And then they would go and, and they'd pick a, one of the operators. And they, at lunch, would go to strip clubs, mm. go and take them to these you know bars and this kind of stuff. All the while, corporate integrity. Integrity. So that meant something to them in one room. It did not mean something right. in another room. So I watched this incongruence happen. And so when I look at and go, I'm not trying to bash the word integrity. <laughs> I think integrity is a very important word. We should have integrity. But because that became so important, everyone needs to have integrity. We've got to have integrity. Um, in reality, uh, this, this multiple rooms and settings and environments that I'm in, allowed people to go i've in, integrity means something to me in this room right that it doesn't carry over into integrity here. when necessary but not everywhere <laughs> exactly exactly and that's a watered down version of the word yeah completely so i think so go back to the you know identifying the values in my life and i i think the reality of of how do you live a congruent life it's way simpler it's simple but that doesn't mean that it's easy right um so I have to define my values, make sure that I'm living according to those values. And, and then you have to declare those in some way. I declare them to my family. Mm-hmm. I declare them to friends because there's got to be some measure of accountability. Right. Otherwise, people don't know how do you live your life. And so this, this got brought to me in my family, in my life, because my dad live, lives a congruent life. 1,000%, yes. And what he raised us to do was exactly the principle I just told you. He applied from the time I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And as I got older and was about to head to college, there was, circumstance happened in my life where I was doing a knucklehead thing as a teenager. And my dad came and sat down. He goes, hey, so what are your values? Because up to this point, I've told you what our values are, and you've been in our home, so you've had those values. But actually, I, what you just did doesn't align with our values. So – I don't, I guess you can have your own values. I just want to know what they are so then I can hold you accountable to your values so that you can be a congruent person. Mm-hmm. And, and so I went through an exercise as a teenager to go, what are my values? And, and, and concluded, you know what, dad, I, I do want those values. I want to live by those values. So that caused me to live a life and make decisions according to those right. values that I then had a father and a mother who held me accountable to those values. So, but that couldn't happen until I declared it. Someone knew it, someone held me accountable. And of course, I think there are some key values that we all should have that could be, but but we are individual people. And I think the, the hard part, when you go through an exercise, and I've seen this in corporations, but then personally that people don't wanna go through the hard thing of, of really evaluation. So they go, what are your values? Yeah, yeah, I like that, I like that, that's right. great, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. Those will be mine. Cherry picking. Cherry picking, and, and what sounds good, when in reality, it's not. So then you declare your values to somebody, which goes back to my teenage example. Yeah, dad, I've, I got your values. And he's like, no, what you did right there didn't right. match your values. So you must have different values. So that all can't get held accountable until I declare it. Yeah. So I got to declare it. And then I've got to be uh, willing to adapt when, I'm, when someone holds me accountable. It goes back to this line of, do I adapt my truth to my incongruence? In other words, and so separate from deconstruction is the whole idea of, well, I'm, I'm living a different life right now and I adapt truth now over here. So if this was congruence and I move over here, do I then 
move back this way to get congruent or do I move this line right. over to now justify my living right. the way that I am and now I I think I'm congruent because I've created you move the line the line to be congruent with right. my new reality mm-hmm. yeah I, I think when we talk about living a congruent life we brought up multiple examples when I realize so accountability always starts with me now yep. I can't stay with me yep. but it always starts with me yep. so between me and god between me and myself but the to me one of the first steps of of living a congruent life is when i realize i'm incongruent i immediately do something about it yeah that's right and and it isn't to your point to move the line to my new reality we we walk with the one who is unchangeable yep. he changes not yep. So I, I get seasons in different seasons, things change, but our values, yep. our values are a, a framework and a foundation yep. for our lives to be lived upon, yep. not just built upon. Yep. When I realize I am incongruent, I quickly get back to the line that always involves confession and repentance. Yep. You hit on that. Repentance is the turn away in this case, from that which is antithetical to the values God's asked me to live yep. according to and get back in alignment. Yep. Repentance brings me back. That's right. And so, so that for me is a, an essential step because we're all going to deal with moments of incongruence. A hundred percent. Sometimes we'll realize it and sometimes we won't, but we're going to experience it. We're yep. humans with lots of different feelings and emotions. Yep. And lots of different hats. Yep. It's bound to happen. And by the way, that's why I think Peter's such a great example. Absolutely. <laughs> he, he continued to struggle with it. Yet God, his, his repentance, which he did with Paul, he did in that situation, he did with Jesus. So repentance is key to bring us back to congruence. Seeing the way Jesus handled Peter's incongruence, yeah. even seeing as he's being drug away, Peter denying him the last time, and then Jesus saying, hey, before I go, go get your brother. Uh, the the grace extended yep. Yep. to us in a fallen world that's right it is mind blowing that's right but not something to be taken advantage of no because god will see he sees our heart and so as you're we're talking about peter I'm, I'm also thinking obviously the other big character who you could argue had incongruence was david but what david kept coming back to was the change the repentance to come back to the congruent place of his life right and god really overlooked the grace of God overlooked all the other those massive sins of David's life right. because his repentance brought him back to the line of congruence and that to me the the greatest encouragement that we can take away when thinking about this is the the weapon we have against the enemy is to bring light that's what we're talking about repentance and confession when we we bring light into our place of incongruence basically what what you discover is the gap from where we are being incongruent to getting back in alignment of what what our value what God's values are for our life, that gap is not near as wide as the enemy wants to make it seem. And now that's not to say there's not consequences. Depending on how incongruent we have become, many lives have been destroyed. But with bringing light to the situation, that's why I think when we find God's grace yeah. really covering, and we get back into what is His plan for my life. And if I have taken it this way to be incongruent, and we think about God working things together for good, many times my responsibility in that is the repentance and confession that brings me back to his will for my life. Right. 
And I think with that, a, a major part of living a congruent life is knowing who I am in Christ. That, that is the bedrock of who we are as sons and daughters of God. Yep. My identity in Christ. When I get unclear on mm-hmm. my identity in Christ, I start thinking about my identity through the lens of man. Yep. And, and then here's the problem with that. There's only one Jesus. So <laughs> congruence is easy when I run with him, yep. when, I, when I'm really understanding my identity in him. Mm-hmm. But there are billions of humans all wanting different things and now if i don't understand my identity in christ i'm going to start shaping my identity around whoever's in the room what they want and what they will affirm and validate yep yep and now i'm I'm just creating this incredibly complicated environment Mm. for me to try and be a human yes because i'm i'm genuinely willing to be anything to everyone yes rather than this is who I am in Christ. And I, I, to the best of my ability, will not come off of this line. And when I do, I'll get back to it quickly. That was, David was a great example of that. Yep. He created me a clean heart. He knew. Yep. Or I deal with some of this stuff. And then he, he wrote, what is it, Psalm 51? I forget which Psalm it is, maybe 51, where he talks about, I was wasting away. Mm. I was wasting away until I confessed my sin. Yeah. Yep. My, my body was rotting. He was helping remind us, yep. hey, once you know, yep. sometimes we sin in ignorance. Yeah, it's true. When we sin, fully knowing what we've done is wrong. Yep. And listen, incongruence at times is a measure of sin. It's, it's absolutely. absolutely sin. Yep. David says, hey, when I got too far from the line and I didn't get back to it quickly enough, I was miserable. Yep. I was absolutely miserable. And what a great marker for anyone. I mean... It, you would seem it would feel like it's easy to understand that, but if if I'm walking with constant tension and an anxiety, mm. uh, and, and I wonder sometimes if the issue of of mental health and anxiety that people deal with is their lives are incongruent, and to to walk that out on a daily basis is absolutely terrorizing. Mm. You're you're and so when you get around someone who is congruent, you see the peace that's on their lives. You see, you, and you see them in different environments, and you're like, they're the same person in every environment. They know who they are. They've right. got their identity in the right place, uh, and they there's a peace because they are completely comfortable in who they are. You know, it made me think of for those who are people pleasers. <laughs> you struggle with people pleasing, mm. and I've struggled with that before as well. And I will tell you something I learned when I was trying to be a people pleaser. It's a miserable means of existing it's horrific because what the people want always changes and here's the goal i believe for every child of god son or daughter of god it's to please the father yeah and when we get off of that and we start trying to please man this is when incongruence comes in what man wants your boss listen to me closely the one who sits on the throne is infinitely more powerful and holds more control over your life than the one who sits in the best office in the C-suite in the place in which you work. Mm, mm. There are going to be times where you might be faced with a decision to please man, knowing you will reap a benefit, but at the same time, displease the Father. Mm. Please hear this. I would rather miss out on man's response to my faking it 
my incongruence. And please God by being congruent. Then miss out on God's response to my integrity, my congruence, my pleasing him. I, I want nothing to do with missing out. I'll, I'll miss out on the rewards of man. Take it. Take it. I don't want to displease the father. And here's what the, displeases the father. Casting a shifting shadow. I will tell you from experience, it's a horrible way to live. And when we bring that into the equation, Todd, I, I, I just did it for long enough back in the day. It, it brings confusion. And yeah, it, living a congruent life is more difficult, especially in the day in which we live. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I mean, there, one, there's, there's pressures all over the place. Uh, two, there are, there's ways in which you can, and what's hard because it, it's, it's an accountability that should force us back to congruence, but you never know when you're going to get caught with something. Right. I mean, that's what we've seen. So many things that have fallen is because someone had a camera somewhere, recorded somebody yep. doing something they thought 100%. they were safe right. being incongruent. Um, so you think that would hold us more accountable knowing that, but it, it doesn't. People just work the system more to try to figure out how to be incongruent. But um, I think about from a believer standpoint, it, really what it comes down to, and I go back to the point we were making about um, maybe what has brought brought along the deconstructionism is this idea of a hippo, hypocritical life that people were living and have lived, and it's it's caused people to go, I don't want any part of that. And it's the idea of believing that my discipleship, my role as a disciple, uh, is reserved for a certain room mm. or a certain day. I'm a disciple on Sundays when I show up to church. And when I show up to church and I listen, great, I got my pretty face on and I'm ready and, and so forth. But then I walk out. I don't live a 24-7 lifestyle as a disciple. And um, there, there are people who are trapped with stepping out of a Sunday one and a half hour service and stepping into a life. I was talking to a guy who had a, a measure of self-awareness that uh, he was struggling and he didn't use the word congruence or incongruence, but he said, I'm here, I'm a believer, but I know I'm not a good witness at work. Mm. I, I know the way I talk isn't, but he goes, I don't know what to do with the environment that I'm in. It, it just, it brings me in, it traps me in and probably nobody there would associate me as a Christian. Mm. And yet here I am, and I, I see myself as a disciple. I don't really know what to do. Wow. Um, and so I think there are many people who are trapped in that way, find themselves, or when they get in, you know, it's at, at the simplest, it feels like peer pressure, uh, or it's just being unaware of how to connect these areas of our lives together and go, where does living as a disciple, where, what does that look like in this space? And, um, I, you know, I, I think for people who have thought through the idea of being congruent, this is a, this is a, a concept that's understandable, but I'm surprised how many people who would say they're believers don't understand how to do that. And this was a very, this was a very recent example of this guy telling me the story. And, um, you know, I, I recognize that as a reality that many people live in. And it could be the industry they're in, could be the workplace, man, they're around a lot of rough, rough people and they, there's rough talk they talk about these kind of things and you just get drawn in 
but how if we know that holiness is about being set apart, then how do we bring that aspect of what Christ has done for us and is doing in us and now bring that into a world where we should be looking like we are set apart. Yeah. And that's more than just words. It might look like I am literally set apart from this group. Or maybe better yet, it looks like I'm bringing something into this group to change the temperament of this group. You know, I'm I'm being the influence that is making this group actually become disciples. So two questions I want to ask before we wrap this episode. And that's essentially two sides of the same coin. How do you, how would you describe God's response to incongruence? When I am incongruent, Mm. what is God's response or what are God's most typical responses to our incongruence? (laughs) Well, one, I, I believe God's a gracious, gracious God. And so he tries to draw us back. I believe he works to the point made earlier in the whispers, in, in, the, in the small moments where he's trying to capture us before that incongruence gets this far, and now it's, gonna, it's going to be damaging. It didn't have to be damaging back right. then. It could have just been something that he was working in me, between me and him, and it's done. Um, but sadly, I think the picture of incongruence, we gave the David example, the picture of incongruence looks like Saul. And what's God's response? Well, if he's worked long enough and in our hearts, again, he's gracious. He is working with us in us. That is who he is. And also he's the God who took the kingdom from Saul. Right. So it's a, and again, I go back to everything that when Jesus was talking, if he wasn't uh, instructing, instructing the disciples and giving them instruction, if he wasn't preaching and giving you know, Sermon on the Mount, he was chastising the Pharisees and teachers of the law. Yeah. Um, and so, and and what did essentially Jesus do when he came? He ripped, he ripped the ownership of the law right. away from the leaders. So the, I, I think about that related to the uh, the tearing away of the kingdom from Saul. Yeah. That's I, that to me is that's God's response. I, I think part of that picture, you know, if somebody's asking why, well, why, if God's gracious, why would he remove the kingdom from an incongruent Saul? And here's what I would say. The problem with, I'll, I'll personalize it when I'm incongruent. The problem with my incongruence is incongruent people speed through school zones mm. and they go too slow in the Audubon. <laughs> when I am incongruent for too long, I end up up is down and down is up. Yeah. Because I'm not living according to the truth. Yep. And so at, at the longer that goes, the more disoriented and the more off base I am. And yep. so what ends up happening as a leader, I end up doing the very opposite thing I should do. Hmm. Now, Paul's awareness, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. Everything I don't want to do, I do do, which is do do. <laughs> That's the old, old school <laughs> church joke right there. Um, but he was aware of it. Yeah. And, and that's part of the deal. I have to be aware of my incongruence. But when incongruence goes too far for too long, yeah. Todd, I can't be trusted as a leader. That's right. By the Lord. The Lord can't trust me as a leader that's because right. I'm going too fast when I'm supposed to go slow. Yep. And I'm going too slow when I'm supposed to speed up. That's right. And, and now I'm hurting people. That's right. And it began 
with you were maybe just hurting yourself and he was wanting to deal with that. Right. When it got to a place now you're hurting other people, that's when he rips it away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think, and this is for me, I, I'll let him rip it away. The scariest response from my vantage point to mm. my incongruence is when he's grieved. Yeah. I, I, I think it's possible that as the church, capital C, we've possibly done the grace of God. And I get the concept of grace. I, mm. I understand theologically. But I think it's possible we've gone a little bit too far because we don't talk about the grief. The Holy Spirit has feelings. Yeah. If the Holy Spirit didn't have feelings, the Holy Spirit couldn't be grieved. That's right. And it is possible to grieve mm. the Holy Spirit yep. by my actions. Yeah, absolutely. And my incongruence is away yep. the Holy Spirit is grieved. Because again, incongruence is going to lead to me doing the opposite thing the Spirit of God wanted me to do in that situation. And therefore, the response. Yep is a measure of grief yeah. and i hate the opposite mm. to me of the pleasure of god is the grief the grief of god that i bring yeah. upon him yeah. i'd rather you yell and scream at me mm. than be grieved by grieved by, by my behavior yeah. it's like when we were kids and we our our one of our parents would catch us doing something wrong mm. which we knew we shouldn't be doing but we thought we were getting away with it and it was egregious and they walk into the room and see it and the look on our face yeah yeah because of the look on their face yeah and it was one thing when they would get upset mm. it was way worse yeah when my mom would be grieved mm. so i can i can feel that right now <laughs> and <laughs> it, we know that feeling yeah. so i i think when we talk about incongruence mm. We really need to paint a clear enough picture to go, listen, it's it's not worth it. Like there's there's no scenario. You might get away with it for a while, mm. but you're not going to get away with it for yeah. long. Yeah. And the person who will be punished most by incongruence is the person who chooses willfully to live an incongruent life. That's right. The the house of cards will fall at some point. Yeah. And and the damage. That's done. Yes, of course, God will forgive us. But the consequences of my incongruence yep. as a human and as a leader yep. might be more far ranging yep. than I really understand. You know, I'm thinking about um, people who, and again, probably much of the audience of Leaders Cut are believers, mm -hmm. but uh, this could reach somebody who goes, or, or maybe even someone who might think, They've surrendered their life to God. Mm. So part of part of the incongruence, if you struggle with, oh, well, I want to, I want to, I wonder if your life has really been surrendered to the Lord. Because that doesn't mean surrendering my life to the Lord doesn't mean that I don't stumble, that I haven't had areas of sin in my life. But what my default is, is I come back to yeah. repentance. Yeah. I come back. And so, but if a person has not fully surrendered, then their default mm. is the incongruence. Wow. And and so if a person finds himself going, yeah, this all sounds great. I buy into congruence, but I just can't do it. I would just invite a little deeper reflection to go, have, have I really surrendered my life to the Lord? Because that will always be the place to begin. I can, we can talk about repentance. And when we really talk about repentance uh, of, of, 
our actions and sin and a moment of surrender. That's one thing of repentance. We're talking also about repentance just to get us back to congruence. That's actually the second level of repentance. The first level of repentance is, God, I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been trying to do this separate from mm. you. I now surrender it's great. control of my life to you. I can't do it. I have no ability to be congruent according to your, your scripture. So I have to surrender to you. Mm. That's the first place. So we've been talking really from the basis of, hey, we already have done that. So now if I get off and I repent, now I'm back to congruence. That's, that's not going to ever be able to happen if you don't start with the baseline repentance. And that's a, a place of surrender. Yeah. I can't be congruent and be in control. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's, a, that's what you're saying. That's I, right. within myself, I do not have the ability, apart from God, to be congruent. Yep. And therefore, I must yep. endeavor to walk in step with him. Yep. Uh, and, and so then that brings us to the other side of the coin and the last question of the episode. How does God respond to congruence? <laughs> um, well, uh, I believe he brings and settles his anointing, his peace, his grace. Like it's, it's a walking. When I think about um, what congruence looks like, then in my life it looks like alignment. It looks like alignment to values. I mean, again, back to my definition, you're aligned to value that con that's congruent. So when I am at a place of being congruent with God's purpose for my life, God's calling on my life, God's God's values that I've now embraced, and I'm walking in in step with Him there, that comes with with a great with a grace. And really, ultimately, what I want to walk in, I hope we all want to walk in, is anointing. Mm -hmm. I want to walk in His favor and with His blessing. And I think that's what he brings on us when we get congruent with him and live a, a congruent life. Uh, and again, that's not to say there may not be a moment where I go here, but I come back and the place right. of repentance, God says, I see that heart. I see that heart. And when I do that, God, God goes, I, I bless that. I, I anoint that. And to the degree that he's part of what is our calling is the steward. I believe he gives us more to steward. Right. We grow Most there's certainly. development that happens. And, but, but, Mostly it goes, goes back all those things. I really feel like what I end up enjoying out of that, yes, the anointing, da, 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 but there's a peace. What, yeah. I mean, and, I mean, and he brings a peace that is contrary to the peace that the world gives. Right. And we're living in a time where peace is, I mean, there's a lot that doesn't feel peaceful, but I can walk in peace that's supernatural when I'm walking a congruent life. Yeah, I'll never experience the peace of God when I'm walking in step with man or the world exactly and i i think one of of course i think god because congruence is a trust issue i believe god trusts us with more yeah. I, I definitely think that that's the case um i also think one of the things he responds with as we live congruent lives is more intimacy with him mm. when i'm incongruent this is kind of how i see it i'm stepping i am trying to step away from him to do something i know he disagrees with only to try and come back to him without realizing if I don't make it right, if I don't repent, I mm. can't, it's not just as easy as coming back. Mm. It's confession mm. and kind of ugly confession. It's not just, I'm sorry, Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that Lord, I'm broken. I, I am broken and I can't stand feeling separate from you. Yep. Yep. And so I come back to you and want to walk with you mm. i believe he rewards us with more of himself yeah 
when we endeavor to walk in congruence. And I don't just mean consistency. I mean, according to yep. his word, yep. congruence, according to his word, yeah. he will reward us with consistency yep. of his presence. I, I, here you go. Yep. You, you're going to walk like this, Preston. I promise never to leave you or forsake you. Now I make that as an all the time promise, but let me help you understand. You will experience more of my manifest presence yep. consistently yep. when you walk consistently, according to my word, mm. you can consistently bank on yep. experiencing my tangible manifest presence and i think go go back to the the brokenness thing that you said about con confession and repentance and we think we mentioned david i mean the psalms is just layered with scripture psalms about david his his agony his brokenness for mistakes he's made yeah uh where he's been and in, in distance from god but his ability to truly be heartfelt in his brokenness is what brings back to the place of intimacy, because uh, again, God knows our hearts. So if he if he knows, or we we're we're saying something that that looks like confession because our brain knows to say it, but it's not connected to truly something that's happening in our heart, we're not going to get the intimacy that we right. really desire. Yeah, I I thought of a a one liner when you were talking about God trusting us with more, uh, as though God were saying, Preston, if I can't trust you with yourself. I can't trust you with any of my stuff. Mm. <laughs> like you're going to have to learn to, I mean, I go back to me and like 19 to 22, <laughs> just 18 to 22. Yep. I mean, a lion little mother, uh, did the, the definition pictured next to the word incongruence in the dictionary <laughs> and the Lord graciously, but firmly saying, this is not a path to peace. This is not a path to my presence. This is actually a path away from everything you're telling me you want, Preston. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to keep you here until you learn this lesson to come back to here. Mm. I'm not letting you go any further. Mm. And that is, that is a measure of love and grace. It is. You love me enough not to let me go any further yep. so that I will not convince myself you know what i think i could live this way mm -hmm. like it's kind of paying off over here and this this person rewards me and this person yep. affirms me and validates me when i when i do what really isn't me mm -hmm. but i'm not i just want the response i want yep. and, and for god to say hey while you are barely good at lying child <laughs> i'm gonna teach you it'll never pay mm. and 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 that so I think so many of us may get a moment like that with the Lord. And the question is, what's our response to him? Exactly. And I think some people have gotten that opportunity and the response was, yeah, but this world and off they go. That sort of decision costs you something. Now you can look at your life and go, yeah, but I'm, you know, everything that the Lord has, has done in my life, this is what I want. But I think, it did cost you something and being people being able to respond us responding to god's caution and calling us back to a place of of living a congruent life with him will cost you something in this world facts and many people look at it and go i i don't know that i i want to i don't want to have that cost in this world that's not the that's not what they say in their mind but they justify moving past the caution of the Lord to keep on going. 
And the Lord may go again. He may go again, but there may be a point where he's waiting on you to turn around and come back. Yeah. I, I think it would be really good right now if we just took a moment, all of us. And I don't, I don't know that we've ever done this on the cup before, but because all of us, Struggle is probably not the right word, but all of us experience the temptation to move the line, to be something other than what we know God has called us to be. I think it would be really good just to respond mm. with some, just a moment of repentance. For everybody who made it yes. to this, this part of the episode, <laughs> what, what a gift to give the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Forget about how he responds. Yeah. I, I don't care how he responds. I just want to do the right thing. And just to, to mm. open up a moment together where as one, all together, mm. we just take a moment and we're not going to talk. We're, we're going to move the mics and have our own time with the Lord, just like you. You don't have a mic in front of your mouth right now. <laughs> and so I think it'd be great. Let, let's just, let's open up the floor for some moments of repentance for incongruence. And let us come back to where he's been standing the entire time, whatever it is, wherever it led you. Just begin to repent, confess it, and repent. And let's let God be God in the midst of our repentance. God, we are so very grateful for your mercy and your grace. Let he or she without sin cast the first stone. None of us but you. And yet your heart's desire towards us is not to throw the stone. You got even with me on the cross 
as your son bled out to die in my place. God, we are so sorry. Never, ever, 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 ever would we ever want to grieve you. And yet from time to time we do. All of the time I do. Spirit of the living God, would you empower us, strengthen us to hold your line. Congruence for the Christ follower is living like Jesus. And we're going to fall short. But Holy Spirit, we desperately desire your help and your power that we might live like Christ more and more each and every day of our lives. God, for those who literally aren't just repenting for a moment or a brief season of incongruence, but for the ongoing sin of incongruence, Holy Spirit, I pray you would invade their space right now. I pray the peace from the Prince of Peace would captivate their hearts, would literally rule and reign in and over their hearts. Holy, Holy Spirit, I pray like a magnet, you would draw them back to the Father. Literally like heaven's magnet would be flipped on as they repent and whoosh, right back to the side of the Father like the co-heir they are. Holy Spirit, help us. We want to be more like Jesus. But we're broken. We're frail human beings in a fallen world. And we need your help. Help us, Jesus, to reflect you and the heart of the Father in every room, in every season. Holy Spirit, thank you for helping us to do so. We pray all of these things in the name of the one we want to be more like Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. That was fun, buddy. And it was fun. <laughs> God. We had a little I, ministry moment there. I, was, just just a little bit. I mean, you know, we can't be talking about sin and not make some time just to <laughs> yep. Lord created me a clean heart. Yeah. I yep. it's just rich that God loves us the way that he does. And listen to me. If you're already beating yourself up all throughout this episode and you are a son or daughter of God and the enemy is trying to replay these moments like movies of incongruence, listen to me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All of that incongruence was thrown upon the son of God. He paid for it all. 
And that is why we must endeavor to no longer live like that. Any sin he took from me, I never want to try and take back from him. So let's try our best in this season of life to be more congruent than ever before, no matter what it costs us. Mm. Imagine the pleasure we will bring to the Father, the look, that smile on his face, even and especially when it costs us something, and he goes, that's my girl, that's my boy. Don't count what it's costing you because you'll see my response for living like me. Let's do this thing as his children, it's what he's called us to. We love you. I love you. I can't wait to see you next week. God bless you. See you next time.